Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm joined today by Martine Felton. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. This is the fourth interview in a self-care series called Life in Full Bloom, Living from the Inside Out. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. I'm delighted you are here and thanks for hanging out with us today. I can't wait to share my guests with you today. Author, intuitive life coach, and medium, Martine Felton, has always had a love for writing. Since she was a teenager, Martine has drawn inspiration from the world around her to write short stories, poetry, and journal. Now Martine has turned her love for encouraging others to overcome their limiting beliefs, embody self-love, and walk in their purpose into her fiction and nonfiction works, Martine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, This is going to be fun. And I do start off the podcast with the same question to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Personally, I really, I, I really like that title of your of your podcast, Exploring the Seasons of Life, because it's really pertinent to to women my age, 40s, 50s. And it, just like a book has chapters, we have our seasons of life that we go through that are focused on particular things that we go through in our lives. It could be a season of a spiritual awakening. It could be a season of, like for instance, for me, I had a season of where I was going for fertility treatments. And that was years of going through, you know, trying to have a baby, trying, you know, all these different treatments to conceive. So for me personally, seasons of life can vary. It's like, like I said, like chapters of a book. It, they're focused on a particular thing, a particular journey that you may going, be going through at that time. Yeah, Martine, that's absolutely right, because we could be um, graduating from high school, going, getting married or new motherhood, mm-hmm. infertility treatments, like you were saying, having our children. Mm-hmm. I'm an empty nester. It's all these different seasons. And I like the way you describe that as like chapters of a book. Mm -hmm. Definitely. A lot of, uh, you know, and this in within those seasons, I really think like our whole lives are full up filled with lessons for us to learn. So within those seasons, whatever it is that you're going through, what, wherever you're journeying through, it's definite, there's definitely lessons stuck in there too. And sometimes those lessons are when we're in those messy bits. Yes. You know? <laughs> the, messy, the messy bits <laughs> of the season. <laughs> That's right. I really would love to hear your journey to writing your teaching memoir, You Love and You Learn. Mm-hmm. What was behind writing that? 
Well, I've always been a writer, as you know, and at first I wanted to document my spiritual journey, my awakening, and when I started realizing that I had spiritual gifts and psychic abilities, but then I realized that I'm still going through that right now as we speak. So, and then I went back and I have a stack of journals from years ago and I Go, sometimes I go through my journals and look at what I was doing two years ago or three years ago. And I realized that there was a common thread that I had was going through a series of toxic relationships. I was like, women could probably, m- would most definitely benefit from me um, putting this information out and telling my story and telling my point of view and highlighting the relationships and the growth, you know, through that journey, you know, starting from someone who didn't have a lot of self-worth. It's not that I didn't think highly of myself. It's that I didn't honor myself. I, I allowed myself to get into toxic relationships and kind of people please a lot So I really felt like if I were to put these stories out or these accounts out of what was happening in my life back then, I think that I could really first really help people and then share my lessons, you know, and share some affirmations and journal prompts. And I think it it could really be a teaching moment, hence a teaching memoir, you know? Yeah, I love that. Now, can I just ask, Martine, when you were going back through your journals and getting ready to, you know, write your memoir, mm-hmm. do you remember like the first toxic relationship you got in and maybe why you got into that? I do remember the first toxic relationship that I was conscious of, that I'm conscious of right now. Um, and I feel like I got into that relationship because I was away from home. Um, I was living in another state outside of my home state and I didn't have anybody else. So I met someone who was is a great person. You know what I mean? Just not the right person for me, as it turns out. However, so I think that's why, because I was looking to you know, find some companionship, find someone, something or someone to cling on to in a place where I was unfamiliar. You know, Martine, I do think that's going to resonate with um, a lot of women because as people go off to college, you know, and there is a new territory, so to speak, yes. and you know, they're trying to make friends. Yes. It's that's a I and hear that was a lot. that was the exact situation. Yes. Oh, oh was it? Okay, I was yes. going to say, and that's what mm-hmm. I hear a lot when mm-hmm. when people go off to college. That exact thing happening. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. And after a while, after being there, I believe I was out of state. Um, my home state is New York, and this was in Florida. I believe I was there for maybe about two years, and I got so homesick that I came back home. Um, you know, but the relationship continued. So yeah, it, it, that can happen once you leave your familiar zones and you go into someplace new unknown territory and you want some familiarity, you want to hook up with someone, you, you know, you want to attach yourself to some, to someone. 
Yeah, that's right. So when we focus so heavily on a relationship, you know, a lot of times people can completely neglect themselves or their own needs. They toss boundaries out the window, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think this, what I'm going to say is, I think this goes for any relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, or even in families, what do you feel like really happens to women when they don't honor and love themselves? I feel like you're not being your truest self. You're not being, you're not even, you can't really truly be happy if you don't honor yourself. That's what I personally feel like. It's, you know, feminine energy is really, really divine in that sense because it's calming and it's nurturing and it's intuitive. It just, it needs to be honored. So, and when you're not honoring your own energy, when women aren't honoring that feminine energy um, within themselves, then they're not really being their true selves. They're not being happy. And they're just expecting somebody else to make them happy sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. I want to jump into journaling a little bit. So I read an article recently by James Clear on journaling. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's no one right way to journal. You can do it wherever you want and in whatever way you want. All you need is a piece of paper or a blank document. However, all there, there is no right way to journal, there is an easy way to journal, write one sentence per day. And I thought, oh my goodness, for someone who says journaling is hard, writing one sentence a day is very doable. Yeah, that's very doable. So how do you use journaling in your daily life? And do you have a specific way that you teach women to journal? I journal almost every day. My, My intention is to journal every day, but it doesn't, you know, life happens. So sometimes it's, it's maybe about four or five times a week, as opposed to seven days a week. I personally like to do it in a meditative state because I am so spiritual. And so I like to meditate first and then for about 20 minutes or so, and then I grab my journal and my pen and I call in my guides and my angels and ask them, are there any messages for me? And I just start writing. And at first I just start writing about anything and then information just kind of flows. Um, I used to write about my day uh, or what was happening, but I find more that that's very ego-based. So I just like to like the flow of information. And that's why I call in um, my my spirit guides or my higher self to come in and assist me. But, you know, that article that you read is right. There's no real one way to journal. It's just about how it resonates for you. As far as my, my coaching clients, I don't, you know, I don't tell them this is how you should journal. I do like to to offer them journal prompts, especially if we're working through something specific, some type of shadow work or some type of growth or, you know, inner work that we might be working on. And I like to use journal prompts because that kind of starts them off and allows, you know, the energy to flow. But I don't really teach a specific way of journaling. 
They could do the meditative journaling like I do. They could use journal prompts or they could journal their day. You know, it, there's no wrong way to do it. I know uh, I've tried journaling different ways. Mm-hmm. And one way that I did it, this was several years ago, and I actually liked it. So I may get back to that, but I would choose a quote just a, a, a quote that resonated with me. And oh. then I would kind of do like what you're saying, just kind of, you know, meditate on that quote and then mm-hmm. start journaling about what that quote meant. And I, and right. I did, I liked that. That's a good way. That's, I like that. I might, I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I also st- used to try to journal about my day and mm-hmm. I found that sometimes I would get myself into a loop Yes, that's what I meant about it being very ego based because you could find yourself into a loop and then you get frustrated with how your day went and you know you could go off on tangents and rants and I don't really want to do that all the time. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So when we're learning from journaling, what is your biggest takeaway on what we learn from journaling? I, my takeaway from journaling is I, um, I swear by it, that in meditation, that there is a lot of healing to be had with your, you and your journal. And when you sit down and kind of put everything out on the paper, down on the paper, there's a lot of healing to be done. There's a lot of growth there. Like I mentioned earlier, if you go back and look at your journals from years ago, you can see who you were then versus who you are now. And a lot of times we don't realize how we've grown or how we've changed. We don't see it because we're in it. But when you go back and look at your past journals, you can see the growth there. And I think that's really beneficial. Yeah, I I do enjoy going back and looking at journals. Mm -hmm, Me too. and sometimes I do, I think, I think that I'm be like, oh my gosh, I, this, I'm not even the same person that wrote that several years yes. ago. <laughs> yes. And that's how I felt when I, because, you know, the, you love, you learn is basically my journals in book format, you know? And when I went back and was looking at those journals and I was like, wow, like I said, there was a common thread. And at some points I, I, I said to myself, I was like, wow, it was pretty pathetic. But, you know, being young and in your 20s and being a people pleaser, doing silly things and just for relationships. Now I look back at it. I'm going on 50 this year. I'm like, OK, that. I guess that was age appropriate for being in your 20s, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So I want to talk about self-love and I want to talk about a self-love mindset. Now, mindset is how we approach life. It's made up of our beliefs and our attitude. What is a self-love mindset to you? Um, To me, it's how you hold space for yourself. Mm, You know, it's how you, um, how you, the decisions that you make for yourself, the, um, it's being able to say no without feeling guilty, you know, and 
all of those, just being able to, to make, to take decisive action for your personal, your physical, your spiritual growth and not being necessarily selfish, but kind of being in that, um, self-preservation mode if for if that um resonates but it's it it's not being selfish it's holding space for yourself but also being in that loving place where you hold space for yourself and hold space for others as well um and doing things that are for your well-being and for your your growth that that is really beautiful i love the idea of just holding the space for yourself mm-hmm. because, because most of us, well, I will say this. Most of us don't have that intentional thought of holding that space for ourselves. Yes. We also, we always want tend to hold space for others and not ourselves. And I, right. and I feel like, I feel like we were kind of raised. I know I was, that, you know, there goes that feminine energy again to women. The women in my family were raised to take care of others and not necessarily not take care of yourself, but put ourselves on the back burner and put everything and everyone else ahead of ours. And, you know, that's not where it's at anymore. Um, Because if I am the matriarch of my family, if I'm me and my husband were partners and I, I cook for everybody. I do certain things. We have our certain roles. Then I need to take care of myself. I need to be in my best, you know, mindset and mind frame spiritually and mentally so that everyone else around me can be happy. And I, and I really do. It's believe that it's when we're taking care of ourselves that that gives us that energy to take care of other people. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I remember I'm going back years ago, I was talking to a girlfriend and we were having our, our normal chit chat about what was going on with life. We were both on our self-development journey at the same time. So Mm -hmm. basically talked every day about what was going on in our lives And at the end of one of our conversations, I remember saying to her, you know, it really is about loving ourselves." Now, and I said that back before it really was the thing, the thing, the trend, you know, and I remember her just kind of having that stunned silence and going, what is that supposed to mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's how foreign it was years ago, you know, for us to talk about loving ourselves and putting ourselves first and doing things for ourselves to be better for other people. Let me ask you this, Cindy, have you ever sat down and tried to write a list of things that you love about yourself? I have. And that's hard. It was hard. Yes. That's what I was getting at. It was so (laughs) hard for me when I first started it. I was like, well, of course I love myself, you know, and someone gave me the challenge. Um, One of my girlfriends gave me, I was like, of course I love myself. Like I, of course I do. I don't hate myself. So therefore you have to love yourself. And she was like, well, I want you to write down, start with five things that you can, that you love about yourself. 
And she was like, and not, she was like, and not physical, not, not like your hair or something like that, or your, you know, something, something like inner. And um, that was so hard. Yes. It, you know what, Martine, we should put yeah. that out as a challenge to everybody. <laughs> right? Five things you love about yourself and it cannot be physical. physical. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when I did that, um, I had gone to a yoga class and after the yoga class, you know, that we were talking and everything and the instructor was doing an exercise with us. And she asked the question, and I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but we we were started, all of us were started writing and writing and writing and writing. And then we were to, you know, kind of reflecting on our answers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were all so proud of what we had answered, but none of us had put ourselves on the list. Wow. Yes. And it's, I think it's only when you take time to do that, you know, deep reflection or that meditation that you mm-hmm. these things really come up. Yeah, it is. It's true. So true. But now with all of the personal development that we all have access to the internet and being locked down in this pandemic, personal development has really become the like I don't want to say the norm, but it's definitely more po- more popular than it was a few years ago. I definitely agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. So while we're still talking about self-love and the mindset, I believe I read this on your website about the frequency of love that may have been a blog post or something. Yes, it was a blog post. Okay, can can you talk about that a little bit? The frequency, in my in my opinion, um, it's is it's a state of being. It's a state of being in a you know a loving state. Like love is unconditional. It's unchanging. It never wavers, and I feel like. It, it doesn't come from your your mind. It comes from your heart. It's a particular vibration. And once you're in that constant vibration, that frequency of love, where everything, where everything that you come into contact with, you, you can see the goodness and the greatness within a thing or a person, an animal or whatever it is, you kind of spread that frequency out when you're in that state of being, it's con- it's sort of contagious. You kind of spread, you emanate that frequency out to others and hopefully <laughs> other people will catch on, you know, and take that in. But that's what, for me, that's what the frequency of love is. It's a state of being in, a, a, you know, a, a, a being in a constant state of, of love, in a loving state. Yeah, that's that's really nice because I can see like we're, when we're in that state of love and those ripples go out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is it is contagious. People can feel that. Yeah, and people can feel your vibe and your energy when you walk into a room. I know for me, when I walk into the room, a room, 
um, I can tend to feel the read the room and kind of read the energy of the room and what are people feeling and even if they're not seeing it. And that goes for me too. I've had people tell me, you know, like they felt my energy before I came into the room and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's a compliment. I'll take that. You are in that constant frequency of love, then, then you can affect others around you. I really believe that. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about our families, you know, when we're in that state, that that ripples off to our children, to our partners, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it just makes the whole home, our home calmer as yeah. well. Yes, 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 definitely. Because I know for me, if I'm in a bad way or if I'm in a bad mood, my children sense it. And so then, you know, they're young. They're one is four, the other one is seven. So when they're that age, they're trying to, well, we have to make mommy feel better, you know, because they want, they don't feel like they can feel good unless their parent is feeling good. So it's, it's funny that way, how kids really soak up your energy. Oh, yes, they do. And you mentioned shadow work a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, and I understand that, you know, it's in our childhood where we pick up all the different ways that we view the world. Yes. The limiting beliefs that we have, um, beliefs or limiting beliefs that we have are, are really come from our childhood and come from our past experiences, our parents, our teachers, you know, authority figures, past relationships, they, it all comes from that. I think about that a lot with my own children. They're mean, they're grown. I am an empty nester. But I, mm-hmm. when I sit down to do, you know, journaling or something like that, I do sometimes think about, you know, things that I may have said or things I may have done Yes, when they were younger. And I'll be like, oh, I hope that did Dear diary, I hope that didn't affect them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. But, you know, I had a conversation about something like that with my oldest daughter. I have a daughter who's 22. And we had a conversation one time because at one point it was just me and her. I was a single mom, you know, struggling. And I said to her, I said, you know, I hope that I, you know, I did my best. And I hope that, you know, I didn't traumatize you too much. (laughs) And she said, no, mom, you're fine. You're great. And that made me feel so good because, you know, we carry our little insecurities and our little guilt um, when it comes to our children because we want to be perfect moms. But who is a perfect mom? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she gave you good feedback. She gave me good <laughs> feedback. She did. <laughs> Everything we want is on the other side of fear. You know, we we avoid at all costs anything that makes us feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know I do. And but there's no growth in that comfort zone. I know. There isn't. Why, why is it so hard? to get to the other side? Because uh, I guess it's because it's the fear of the unknown. 
you know, like fear is that, that kind of barricade from where you are to where you want to be. And here is fear right in the middle of that blocking you from getting to where you want to be. And fear is really false energy appearing real. That's what it stands for. And when I, and I saw that on a social media post and it was like a ton of bricks fell on me because I was like, that is so true. It is false because we, we conjure up all this, all these stories in our head as to why we can't get to where we want to go or why we can't do these great things. And it's all false programming. It's all up here. And so once we get out of here and get down into our hearts, that's when we'll be able to get past that block, that fear block. You know, I just, I know that there's been times, even let's say um, when I was in corporate America and maybe I wanted to go for a new position, it was always so fearful for me to make that jump. But Mm -hmm. once I did it, because I wasn't going to let that stop me, (laughs) once I did it, it, you know, I would look back and go, what was, what was I afraid of? It's you have a podcast. Mm-hmm. I have a podcast. Mm-hmm. The first time, what took me so long to even do a podcast was I was so afraid. And then after that first one, I was like, wait a minute, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get into it and you're sitting, you're standing in it, you're like, hey, this is fine. I, nothing happened, nothing bad happened. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And and you talk about corporate America. I'm still in that. I'm still in the corporate America world. Um, I still have my regular job that I do. I have my blog. I have a podcast, you know, my writing and things and, and coaching. I have so much going on and still holding down a job. And at some point, I say to myself, when will, when are you going to be able, when are you going to step out and, and just do this, you know, full time. But my thing, what's holding me back is having one of these side things make money for me. That's the whole thing. That's what's stopping me from that other side. It's fear that I won't be able to sustain, you know, my financial responsibilities as just a pod as a podcaster or a writer or you know what I mean? I do because I have a full-time job as well along mm-hmm. with, with everything else and yes. my partner will sometimes say you've got to stop you've got to slow down. <laughs> you've got to <laughs> you know take a breather and mm-hmm. and I and I and going away this weekend. And that's exactly what I'm going to be doing is just kind of like, you know, just getting quiet and sitting on the beach and just kind of like really plot, plot out, plot out my future. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. I like that. You do that. (laughs) So if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell her about the season of life you're in right now? Oh, at 18, that season was a rough one. 
I would tell her to hang on and don't give up. It gets so much better. It gets so much better. You're just learning lessons. And once you get past the lessons, there is a whole, there's a clearing for you. There's a path will be cleared for you. Martine, I talk to a lot of women and a lot of women say that, that same thing. 18 mm-hmm. was so rough and that it yeah. gets better. I just wish that something we could bottle up to give to an 18 year old for her to really understand that, that it um, gets better. It does. I, I understand what you mean. On the other hand, though, my daughter was 18, year, 18 years old four years ago. And no matter what I said to her to try to prepare her for that turbulent time, I realized that she was not me and that she had to, I couldn't protect her from everything. And that she had to go, she's on her own journey. Just because she's my daughter doesn't mean that she's going to experience the same things the same way I did. And so I had to really kind of, I haven't cut the cord, obviously, but I had to let her have her experiences and learn her lessons. So I think that even if we have it bottled up, they won't listen to us. <laughs> and and you know, now that you've said that, even if we had it bottled up, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to give it to them because you're right. They mm-hmm. have to go through their own journey and they have to make their own mistakes. Yes. They have to sometimes hit rock bottom mm-hmm. and then realize just how fantastic it is to rise up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The time is just flying by. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. Yeah, I just love this conversation. Can you tell um, our listeners where to find you on social media, how they can find your book, how they could follow you? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, my website is martinefelton.com. And on there, you can find my books, um, both my books. I have the teaching memoir, You Love, You Learn. And I have the first fiction book that I wrote back in 2013. It's called Life Interrupted. And they're both available for purchase on my website at martinefelton.com. You can also get them on Amazon as well. Follow me on Instagram, Martine Felton, my YouTube channel, Martine Felton. Everything is under my name. So I'm easily searchable. (laughs) And I just want to mention, you've got some really cute shirts on your website as well. Yes. And I have merchandise on my website as well. Thank you. I forgot about, forgot to mention that with my book cover. Yeah, that's really cute. Well, I want to tell you, thank you so much for being a guest. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was a great conversation. Hopefully we can um, talk again very soon. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. 
Leaving a rating and review helps to improve rankings in iTunes. It shows engagement, which may attract sponsors, and it is essential for the podcast to be discovered by new listeners. Plus, it would mean the world to me. Thanks again. Until next time, live inspired.